Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. There is a lot happening in the world, and uh, we've had back-to-back mass shootings. We've got a war going on in Ukraine, uh, an environmental crisis. We got all kinds of things happening, but here's the deal. I thought, let's just pause and let's do something a little different on this show today. Uh, Sometimes I think we just need to celebrate the wonders and the everyday miracles of life And think about this beautiful world that we live in. Uh, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about honeybees. We're going to talk about bees, beekeeping uh, today, because this this is this is what we need right now. I think is a little a little different pace. So listen to this. My special guest today is my wife, Katie Jo. She is a beekeeper. Now we're learning this as we go, but she has also been teaching uh, a little beekeeping to her elementary school students. And I heard part of the presentation, y'all. And I was like, this is awesome. We need to do a whole podcast on beekeeping with the lovely Katie Joe Brotherton. So here she is, y'all. Katie Joe, thanks for joining us. Sure. <laughs> so I, I think first, how, how did you get into the beekeeping? I don't know. Is, I, is this your first podcast? Yeah. <laughs> you just captured a swarm of bees. Yeah. yeah. Tell people what a swarm is and how you capture a swarm of bees that you don't just buy in the store. Well, I think there's multiple ways to capture a swarm. I think dad did his with a broomstick <laughs> and a box. But <laughs> a swarm is just when you know, either the hive outgrows its own house, it gets too big and it needs to split or a queen dies. And so they split off and with another queen they've created, you know, there's multiple reasons for swarming. It's just basically when they leave the hive and try to find a new home, people usually find them in trees. Now I thought I knew a little something about bees, but then you started talking to me and I realized I had no idea that bees had multiple hearts and that they had different roles within the hive and all this. So I want you to tell, tell us a few bee facts that people probably do not know. Cause I know y'all are thinking, I know about honeybees, but hold on. They here. have five eyes. They have five eyes. Two stomachs. Two stomachs. Honey is. I was wrong on the hearts. I don't know the heart one. (laughs) (laughs) Honey is essentially regurgitated nectar. Mm. That's what you're eating. Put that in your tea. Yeah. Um, Honey is can never spoil. How far do they go? I can't remember that. It was like like 10,000 flowers to make an ounce of honey or something. Something ridiculous. Yeah. 
I don't have my notes in front of me. Shane just kind of swooped in while I was folding laundry. I did. I, I feel like we I had talked to real quick. Do this podcast. We talked about gun violence and the death penalty. We need a show uh, on bees. Was it, I don't have my spreadsheet and PowerPoint in front of me at the moment. Uh, with my big facts. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you the three bees in the hive. Tell us that. You have the one and only queen bee. Mm-hmm. The worker bees and the drones. Is there one one female bee in the bunch? You can have about 60,000 bees in a hive at one time, and they're almost all female. Every bee you see out foraging, collecting honey, doing the hard work is a lady, which, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, is not shocking. And What do the dudes do? What do the dude bees do? I mean, to be fair, a hive cannot exist without a drone because you do need its reproductive organs for the queen to be able to lay eggs. Okay, a drone is a bee. How's a, how's a drone? What is a drone bee? A male bee that does nothing except, you know, fertilize a queen. That uh, is his one and only job. I know some drone humans too, but anyway, oh, it's he, just a- he lives in the hive, and the ladies. <laughs> there's a few in there. There's multiple in there. The ladies feed them, groom them. Pick up after them. Now the, essentially take care of the man while he just, the man be, while he, you know, doesn't do anything. Now, the, the, he sits on the couch and watches BTV. Now, the, now, hold on. But the other day, we came in and the bees looked like they were uh, in sort of um, a swarm or a little bit chaotic. And um, you were a little worried about it at first. But then we found out that this is something that happens in almost a calculated way. And so these bees were just like all over the place, almost like a cloud of bees. And they weren't swarming. They weren't panicked. They were just uh, transitioning, right? It's called orienting, which, to be honest, is if you start getting into bees, the experts, I am no expert. The expert have got stuff down to a T. So in the research, it said they usually orient between two and four o'clock in the afternoons, and it was three thirty. So basically, a worker bee has different stages of life. He, she hatches, she cleans out her own cell that she hatched from, she takes care of other, you know, pupa or larva, takes care of the queen, and then her last stage of life is foraging. So when you see forager bees, the ones out that you actually visually see on flowers. They are in their last stage of life and they will die. But you have to think this queen is laying around 2000 eggs a day. And so they're going to hatch at the same time. They're going to have the same jobs at the same time. So then they all reach the age of foraging. So what these bees were doing is all at the same time, they first time they're coming out of the hive ever, right? They've only been in this hive the whole life cleaning and doing stuff. Their first time out, they're orienting themselves. They're trying to figure out where their hive is in relation to flowers. Where is it in relation to water? Where is it in relation to, you know, the sun? They were all orienting, leave, the leaving the, the bee house Pretty for the cool. first time. And sure enough, the next day, it was all back to normal. They're doing their thing. Yep. No, no swarm. Mm-hmm. And it happened right between two and four in the afternoon. That's East Coast time over here in the U.S. But, you know, it, it happened. So everything... In the bee life, it feels so marvelous because it, it's like it's all it's designed. A machine. So the, the other thing that you told me is that they like a really clean house, which is why they're not crazy about it when you go taking things, you know, the different pieces of the bee house apart. Oh, yeah. But you said when a mouse like or, or some kind of little varmint gets in there, 
they it's too heavy for them to pull it out. So what, if a mouse gets in a bee house, they sting it to death. Sure, they kill it. Yep, they kill it. But then it's too heavy for them to move out. So you're telling me they like mummify it, right? They have something yeah, that propolis, which is yeah, basically mummification. It's a very sticky. It's not honey. It's not nectar. It's not pollen. It's another thing they create, and they mummify it so that the bacteria cannot get in that hives are one of the probably cleanest things around they're they're very tidy see y'all thought you knew something about bees but i bet you didn't know that you could that a bee could was especially equipped to mummify a mouse to keep its bacteria from totally spoiling, uh, the, spoiling hive. the whole hive i mean how about that sweet lord if that see that's why caring for creation uh, is a spiritual thing. Um, I feel like you you feel the sweet Lord as you're in nature and with the bees, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And and as you uh, as you think about where we're going with these bees, anything else? Like what what else do people need to know? So if someone's like, I, I think I'm going to raise bees, but I'm a little scared. What what do you what do you what do you want to tell them? Um, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, no need to be afraid. Bees are not inclined to sting you. That is their last resort. They kind of bump you and they do this thing. They do that they, tell you. That if, they let you know when they're upset. They do they? give you a little bump on the arm to let you know we're not excited you're in our space. When you told your um, elementary school students about the bees, um, what were what were their thoughts? What were some oh, of their questions? Oh, they had some questions. What was it? Do they know that? Because bees, honeybees die after they sting you. Not all bees do, but honeybees do. Because you essentially the stinger is connected to a poisonous sac inside, and that's connected to some crucial organs. So the whole thing comes out and they're gone. So the kids asked, do they know they're going to die when they sting you? Which I said, I'm not sure that's they're, they're that self-aware, but maybe they are. They're willing to risk their life for the queen. Um, not only do they die when they sting you, but they also die after they um after well, they fertilize the queen yes fertilize yeah. the queen it um the drone sort dies of, instantly sort of rips their insides out you'd say mm-hmm. huh as a way of saying this in a pg kind of way sure. um but uh um how long does a bee live oh i can't remember i think it's i can't remember that a worker bee they, they all live it in different the queen can live up to two two to three years she can live a while i can't remember the worker bees i think it's and a bee has this like lifespan, right? So it goes from one fa- like one way uh, kind of roll within the beehive community to then yeah. something else, right? What's what's that lifespan look like? Well, I've already mentioned this. So apparently my own the the man leading the podcast was not listening to <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I can pass the test the podcast. Um yeah, they when they hatch out, they clean their own cell. Yep. That's what I was saying yep. this first stage. Then you know, when the nectar and pollen is getting brought in, they feed other larvae and pupa. Uh, then there's bees that particularly take care of the queen. Um, and then there's guard bees that guard the hive. So uh, intruders cannot get in. And then they forage. Yeah. That's their last stage. Of See, I knew I, I just needed to we needed to recap that yeah. because I want to go back to the guard bees. Mm-hmm. So after a whole day of. I think it was like 10,000 flowers or something that they, they visit within like a three mile radius or something. Right. Well, you told me this, but anyway, they come back, like 
th- those bees, don't they wave their wings to call them back in before the night, before uh, the sunset or something like that? They do let their scent off, which is called a pheromone. Yes. They also, you should Google it. It's called the uh, um, waggle. They, they have, they can move in a specific way. It looks like a figure eight that the other bees watch and know the direction of nectar in relation to their hive. So they move their body in directional ways so that other bees know where to go. But they do let off a scent to tell all the bees to come home. And you're telling me that they, um, the, the, uh, with, so when the bees come back into the house, they, they're almost like bouncers. They won't allow bees in, right? That well, are that's not a sort part of true, but not true. Sometimes. Oh, fact check. Sometimes Fake they news. are like, okay. I mean, if you just want to come in and get a little honey, we'll let you get a little honey. So they do let. They show some, hospitality. They do let some through. They don't always show hospitality. They will keep kill an intruder if they do not want them to if that intruder is trying to get in and like wreak havoc okay so listen up y'all i mean there's all kinds of things i could talk to my lovely wife about on this podcast but um i i wanted i wanted to see if there's anything else that we need to know about the bees is there anything else we Are forgot we out of time no we're not I, I thought this is what i was thinking katie mm-hmm. is that after i ask you about bees you could ask me about worms because i i love my worms. Oh, I see how he turned it around <laughs> So that I can interview him somehow about what he does. What you want to know about his worms? He feeds them maybe one every once every three months, and I usually have to do that because he's out gallivanting. Okay, back to the bees, huh? Is there anything else that everybody needs to know about the bees? Um, I mean, I think it makes you appreciate the honey. Beyonce said it best. When Queen she Bee said, "Who runs the world, girls?" Who runs the world, girl? You know that song, Shane? <laughs> yes, I do. Because out of those 60,000 bees, I mean, 98% of them are female. <laughs> the rest are. There you have it, folks. Yes. You heard it here first. Uh, but what's girls, the key? What's girls the, run the world. What is the key element missing in honey that makes it um, last forever? Why does it not go bad? Why does honey not spoil? Um, Here's your quiz. Uh, doo, doo, what do you doo, think they're regurgitating uh, out to get rid? Of oh, their stomach acid. Nope. What is? What it? does it not have in it? What does honey not have in it? Um, tell me. Water. There's no water in honey. Yeah, that's what causes bacteria to grow in water. There's huh. no water in honey. Sure oh, seems. Oh, and liquidy. there's so many different kinds of honey. Yeah, right. We tasted those. Different There's colors. a honey farm over here that we tasted all these different honeys, and sure enough, they did taste really different. I wish you could see my slideshow, also, because I took this. It's awesome, a podcast, hon. I I know. I said I wish they could see it. Yeah. Because I took this awesome picture of my mom's, um, one of her bee frames where they had collected pollen, and the rainbow of color of pollen is gorgeous. Hmm. There's bright greens. There's bright oranges, there's reds, there's browns, and they've been able to figure out where all these colors come from. One was really surprising, and I can't remember what it is, but of course, dandelions are like a really bright orange. Mm, Uh, mm. Privet is like a really bright, bright green. The pollen is. The pollen. It's really beautiful. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'm going to give you a choice then, Katie. I could either ask you about birds. If this was live, we could see what people want to hear about. Or you could ask yes. me about worms. Worms. 
It's your I, choice. No, you, you decide. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions about the birds that we see. Did you see that indigo bunting outside your window today? Yes. Yes. You didn't. Um, so Katie became a bit of a bird watcher as well. And I think most of you know, we've been living off this uh, old school bus that's turned into a solar powered tiny house with a composting toilet. And we've got binoculars on there so we can see all the beautiful birds around us. And Katie became a part of the uh, the bird watcher club and was the youngest person well, there by like I just went four to decades. I just went to one meeting to learn about uh, raptors. That was it. So t- what are what are some of the, uh, the 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 really interesting birds? Tell that oh. one out here that was that late. Listen to this, y'all. There is a bird that. Uh, makes its nest out of gravel so it's often making its nest out of um in the middle of our little roads and things and so their eggs look exactly like gravel it was unbelievable you almost couldn't even see it but that was an interesting bird we saw them hatch they hatch almost they hatch basically fully ready to go because they have to go they're on the ground so they're huge eggs and huge little chicks when they that's the kill deer they're one of the only birds that resembles or is the same line as a coastal bird but doesn't live on the coast a good i mean an interesting fact hummingbirds are the smallest dinosaurs whoa wait i think we birds might are a, dinosaurs let's just oh boy on. this is getting uh this is not is something into unorthodox theory. this is true uh, okay now back to this kill deer just for a minute Yes. Okay, I think we've got to, you, you got to say what the heck you mean by a, the hummingbird being a dinosaur, because it's neither as big as a dinosaur, nor does it run like a dinosaur. It's in the same nor genealogy it... as the dinosaur. What oh. do you mean? Oh. Is it... so, uh, it's on the genealogical tree of the dinosaur. You thought these things were big, you know, but the hummingbird, I mean, we've got them all around us. They're so, oh, they're they're so cool. We only get the ruby-throated. Okay, now back to the killer. It's yeah. got that thing where if it feels threatened, the mother bird will go away fake, from her nest. Yes, and and flap its wing and roll around on the ground. I've seen it with my own eyes um, as a distraction, right, to yeah. to keep her own babies safe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they roll around on the ground, but they do throw their wing out as if it's broken. <laughs> and yeah. walk like their wing is dragging and broken so <laughs> the one i saw was rolling around no, it was no. actually breakdancing <laughs> yeah. okay look at that so what other bird facts or if we start now oh i could actually we could do both birds and worms today you know the wonder of the world that's what we're talking that's the name of this show because let's be honest the people listening want to hear from you no that's not so, true that was fascinating honey and i could talk, not have done you, a show on bees you without talk you about your worms honey okay so i got these worms mm-hmm. um you there i've got two different kinds i've got mm-hmm. the super reds and the red wigglers mm-hmm. honest to goodness so it's very hard to tell them apart um and and i got them because they they're really sweet and they they're very low maintenance but they're also they create the best fertilizer for your garden. Um, and we went to this, <laughs> we went to this um, like farm festival, gardening festival kind of thing. And they were selling worm poo. It's called worm casings. Vermicompost. Vermicompost. Watered down. They've added water to it and put it, and they call it 
they, they call it, you know, worm tea. You don't want to drink it. It's not that kind of tea, but you put it in your garden. But they're selling this stuff for like $100 for a little gallon of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're making it by taking our kitchen scraps or cooking scraps you can do all kinds of vegetables and Mm -hmm. most fruits no citrus Mm -hmm. no meat or dairy Mm -hmm. and you put it in there and they turn it into dirt it's really i mean it's pretty amazing it is amazing and then you can also bury the worms in your garden and they uh aerate your soil so it's when you're doing urban gardening in particular when you're like in the concrete the worms are absolutely clutch a key element to our garden you yeah. got them addicted to coffee remember when you got them addicted to coffee they do love and then coffee. you switch to tea i tried to go to tea happy. the people in uh the uk like the transition from coffee to tea mm-hmm. and i was doing tea but the worms they rebelled they were not happy they wanted their coffee, coffee ground come to find out part of what they like is to um they like something different in consistency to rub on. And I think it's also to sharpen their teeth. Like it's sandy, the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Sharp- yeah, they like sand teeth. or they like uh, some kind of grainy stuff. And uh, coffee did that for you, them, I think. Shane so. initially was growing the worms to feed the fish that he had in the aquaponic, aquaponic system. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to talk about once that he became such a close friend to the worms he had a hard time feeding them to the fish yeah i mean so you wouldn't you think you'd get fed, attached you to worms you only fed one worm to the fish and it broke your heart so you couldn't do it anymore yeah i know somebody might do it need to do a fact check on this too but i think worms are also like uh asexual and they just divide themselves to make new worms or something like that and i think if you cut a worm in half i wouldn't do it don't recommend it but i think you have two worms like I a starfish. I don't think that means you're asexual. I think that means well, I think both things you can have be both true. sex organs, which is amazing in any animal. Well, there's some frogs out there. More on that later. But yeah, I think that's our vermicomposting uh, segment of this show, y'all. Um, Katie, what other wonders of nature? We've got just a few minutes left <laughs> of I, this wonderful. I can't think on my feet like you should. Nature show. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you for being my guest. Well, y'all, I hope you enjoyed that show. We're not quite done yet. I just want to say that uh, one of the things I love about my wife is that she keeps that joy alive and doesn't let the troubles of the world overwhelm her. And these are times where the world can feel pretty heavy. And it's not that we ignore the darkness, but we just know that the light overcomes it. And I I, I want to say that uh, one of my favorite songs is that Katie, you want to sing it with me? What is that it? old song? This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. Go something like that. Mm. This hope that I have, the world didn't give it, the world didn't give it, and the mm. world can't take it away. Oh, yeah. Come on, everybody. This love, this love that I have, the world didn't give it to me, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. So I think you, you know, I, I'd invite you to spend some time in nature. Get your hands dirty. That's one of the things I learned from my wife. She's often got dirt under her fingernails or on her fingers. You, you end up uh, thinking it's it's good for the soul to get outside. And uh, not, not everybody loves nature. I get it. But there, there's something about the creation that uh, connects us to God. And um, when I, I there's an old Emerson quote that says, if the stars only came out 
every 100 years, the entire world would stand in awe and bow to our knees in wonder. But as it were, the stars come out every night and we just watch TV. So I think there's a sense that we got to get away. That was kind of a paraphrase of uh, that Emerson quote. But, I, you know, I think that there's something to the fact that we've got to get away from our screens and away from our technology and get into nature a little bit more. Actually, this week we, we went uh, crawdad hunting. I don't know if you know what that is, but we ended up, you know, you get in a creek, you lift up, you flip over the rocks and you can find crawdads. And uh, we found some pretty cool crawdads. Mm-hmm. You've got that. We got that. This picture that um, uh, of kids that were playing in a creek, and they're 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 all got mud all over them, and they're you know they're they're been out all day playing in the creek, and then um, there's another group of young people that are staring at their cell phones. And it's not to say that the socials are the enemy, but I think that we need. There's something in me that worries a little bit about all the pixels that we scare stare at on our phones and uh, mobile devices and computer screens and uh, it starts to do something to us so make a point this week of getting out and watching the sunrise or the sunset or looking at the stars or catching some fireflies do they have those in the uk i don't know the answer to them anyway looking at a butterfly and thinking uh, this this is a god's handiwork in the world So thanks for listening to this wild and wonderful uh, show today. My guest was my very own wife, Katie Jo Brotherton. I'm your host, Shane Claiborne. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. We'll see you soon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.